You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you're smiling. Hey you, bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly, crack a smile. lovers and welcome to today's show for today's podcast today's podcast is presented by podgo podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from podgo i recently joined as a member and you can too apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience that's podgo dot co at pod p o d g o dot c o and a matter of fact don't forget to go on ahead and tell them that movie loves you night sent you hey jennifer how you doing hi i'm well how are you i'm doing good i just want to say welcome to the show i'm glad that you decided to join me this evening thank you for having me it's uh, good to be here you're very welcome. And I'm just going to go on hand and introduce the show, then introduce everybody to you. And then from there, we'll do the interview. Sounds good. All right. Hello, movie lovers. And welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I actually have Jennifer Brofier here uh, today for her one-on-one interview. And introduce yourself, Jennifer. Hi, I'm Jennifer Brofer. I am an avid movie lover. I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I am a producer, an actor, and I am currently living and working in Los Angeles. Oh, that's awesome. And I just want to say, too, thank you for your service. I do appreciate that as well. Thank you for your support. And so how is it out there in Los Angeles? How is Los Angeles treating you? Well, uh, I've been out here six years and, okay. you know, so far so good. Um, it's it's a different, you know, it's a little interesting, of course, being in a pandemic and and sort of overcoming those obstacles. And, you know, my doing my best to stay creative and it's actually, you know, allowed me to kind of think outside the box a little bit. So I'm still creating and just in different ways. That's awesome. I'm glad that you're able to actually have some creativeness and everything, especially with this pandemic. I know it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, not easy, but I'm I'm doing my best. <laughs> same here as well. So I know that I ended up seeing this trailer for The Light, Into the Light. And I was just wondering, I know that's not your property and everything. And I'm sorry that I actually got that mixed up the first go around. But I wanted to know, how did you first come involved with this film? What made you want to do this film? 
Yeah, so I uh, became involved with this film because I met the writer and the lead actress, Amy Walker, a few years ago and uh, through a friend of a friend. And we just kind of instantly connected creatively. We worked on a different project in 2018, uh, a web series. And then she approached me uh, about last summer about this idea that she had for this awesome biopic about this suffragist named Inez Milholland. Uh, Inez, I had never heard of, uh, but if you Google her, she was uh, basically an icon for the women's suffrage movement. Uh, if you if you Google Inez Milholland, you'll see her riding atop a horse, uh, you know, leading the women's procession in 1913. So right. she fought for women's right to vote, and uh, so this film follows uh, her on her one, her last speaking engagement in Los Angeles, uh, where she was galvanizing, you know, support for the right the women's right to vote. Uh, so it's a short, short film. It's a really powerful film. We're actually going to be releasing it next month. So oh, that's awesome. yeah, we're really excited. We shot it right before the pandemic uh, in early February. So we're really thankful that the timing just happened to be perfect. And uh, we are releasing it, of course, you know, during the centennial of the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And also we're in a voting year. So uh, we really just want to get people out to, you know, to vote and uh, to utilize utilize that right. Exactly. And not only that, but I remember back in third grade when I actually learned about this part of history. As a matter of fact, I actually knew the, the main character, well, the main character and stuff like that, that I learned about back in third grade. So to actually see that being portrayed mm-hmm. on the screen and everything, I think that's just phenomenal. I believe that women should have the same rights as men, equal rights and stuff like that. So it was just great to actually have have that on film yeah it's a it's a great film uh we're so excited to release um and uh next month uh is you know we're gonna celebrate equality day so we're gonna be releasing right around uh that time we don't have exact date yet but we will be releasing next month for sure in august so uh we're really excited and uh we hope a lot of people you know see it and uh if people want to there's actually a chance for people to get their name in the end credits uh, if they want to have their name in the in the end credits, uh, if they make a small donation, um, we're still raising a little bit of money to finish the film. And uh, so if they want to support, they can go to intolightofficial.com. All right. That's that's fantastic. As a matter of fact, I'll even put that in the description notes and everything at the end of the show as well. So that way people can donate. Awesome. So, Thank you. You're very welcome. So uh, I have another question, though. Yeah. When did you know that you wanted to be an actress? Oh, wow. Um, I, I've i loved acting since I was a little girl. I remember doing theater uh, as young as fifth grade. Uh, so I was in class, uh, in fifth grade class, and I was cast as in this class play about this uh this woman who could uh, cast a spell and create endless amounts of spaghetti. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I had this like spaghetti cauldron and uh, 
I was really good at memorizing lines back then. I don't know where I got it. Um, so I did another play the next year uh, where I, I played uh, the lead in a play, a school play. And then I just kind of did it all throughout high school. And, um, you know, I, I just loved it. I loved being creative. And uh, so theater was, was, you know, a really fun creative outlet for me. Um, and then, of course, you know, I took a little break from that when I joined the military and uh, just recently started picking it back up again. That's awesome, though. I'm glad that you're able to actually have that creativeness as well, because also, too, I also did theater back in high school as well. Oh, uh, so I actually wrote my own monologue. Hey. I actually did. Um, not only that, but I also played two parts in a school play, which is actually difficult to do because I actually had to do a monologue for one character and then change it around and do another monologue for another. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. So, <laughs> it was, I'll tell you what, it was definitely challenging because I had to play a 10 year old <laughs> and I'm like 17 or 18 years old. So it was definitely a challenge. Did you have any like peach fuzz when you're trying to play a 10 yeah. year old? <laughs> I definitely had some peach fuzz going on. <laughs> so they actually had to cover it up with some makeup and everything. That's hilarious. So, <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm, I was like, well, now I know how uh, Robin Williams felt in Jack. Yeah. You know, it's funny <laughs> that you should mention high school because like, it's, I, I, it's funny. I had bigger parts in fifth and sixth grade. And then throughout high school, I had more, uh, more supporting, very small roles. Um, but one of the most, uh, I guess, notable roles I had um was I was in this play based on the life of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, based on his poetry. It was called Nevermore. And my character actually was a really cool character. I played uh, the devil's minion. And uh, I didn't have any lines, but I got to hold a real pig heart in the telltale heart scene. And oh. yeah, <laughs> but you'll never, believe, you'll never believe the devil was played by none other than Katie Featherston, who went on to star in the Paranormal Activity movies. Oh, really? That's actually pretty <laughs> cool that you actually went to school with someone that actually made it into the Paranormal Activity movies. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Katie, she's great to work with. She's a lovely, she's a lovely person, and I'm so happy for her success. And it was just so interesting that I got to, like, hold this real pig heart that my drama teacher bought on, you know, some black market somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we could like add some cornstarch, uh, corn syrup and red food coloring and make it look like blood. Um, but yeah, it was really fascinating. And uh, <laughs> that's something I'll never forget. I bet. <laughs> Especially holding <laughs> a pig's heart. I, I, I know yeah. I wouldn't forget that experience at all. <laughs> but that, that's cool, though. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to play in Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe is actually one of my favorite uh, poets and everything, too. So to actually see you mm -hmm. play in something like that that's pretty awesome yeah he's one of my favorite poets too and uh i just uh, i wish i could take this uh play you know and bring it to my local theater but uh i can't find i can't find it anywhere so <laughs> oh, it's amazing though that's great um so i just wanted to say this too like when did you Another question I had was, you joined the military and everything. When did you decide that you wanted to be join the military? I know that had been challenging on top of you wanting to act. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I never actually wanted to join the military. It, was, it never even crossed my mind, even though both my grandfathers were both Army veterans. They both retired from the Army. 
it wasn't really a thought until I went to Six Flags over Texas with some friends and there were some Marine Corps recruiters there doing the chin up challenge. And if you're not familiar, the chin up challenge is a recruiting tool where you can do, you know, chin ups or a flexed arm hang and you can get a t-shirt if you do it long enough. So being the competitive person that I am, I said, you know, I could do a, I could do a flexed arm hang and hold myself above the bar for a minute. Uh, so I did. And, uh, I broke some kind of record or something and they gave me a t-shirt and I was starting to walk away. And then the recruiter said, well, what do you, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to college and, you know, be a photographer and, you know, that'll be that. And then she asked, well, how are you going to pay for it? And I said, well, my dad, he'll pay for it. And I was just really sassy. I did not want to join the Marine Corps at all. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, I mentioned photography and she said, oh, well, did you know there's a job called public affairs? And she told me all about public affairs. She actually introduced me to a public affairs Marine who just happened to be there on site. And I spoke with that public affairs Marine for maybe 30 minutes or an hour. It felt like, you know, it went by so quickly, but she told me all about her awesome job doing photography and journalism. And after we spoke, I had decided, you know what? I'm going to put off college and I'm going to join the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you for your service once again. That is, I, I'm, just, I'm glad that you're serving and protecting us. That is just amazing. <laughs> you're very welcome. And how many tours did you wind up doing? I'm just wondering. I find that interesting. Yeah. So uh, I did one deployment. I deployed to Afghanistan in 2010 for one year. I was the public affairs chief of the first Marine Logistics Group, which is based out of Camp Pendleton, California. Okay. That's yeah. So, so uh, before that, well, before that, I did, I mean, uh, I was in for 10 years total. So before even getting to deploy, I was at Paris Island, South Carolina for three years, working for the newspaper. And then I went to Washington, D.C. for a couple of years to do broadcasting. And then uh, I was lucky enough to go to Syracuse University for two semesters as a, a full-time college student while on active duty. And then finally, I, I got to Camp Pendleton where I was able to deploy. And that's ultimately where I uh, ended up finishing my 10-year contract. Oh, nice. I'm and I have a question too. Like, what kind of broadcasting did you wind up doing when, when you were talking about broadcasting? Yeah. So what I did uh, is when I was in Washington D.C., I worked for a news outlet called Marines TV. It was a small contingent of Marines uh, work who worked at the Naval Anacostia Annex in Washington D.C., and we did this weekly. Uh, news program where I would read the news uh, every week and I would tell, you know, viewers what was happening around the Marine Corps. And it aired uh, on the Pentagon Channel. It aired on Armed Forces Network around the world. So I've had friends tell me, you know, who, who were deployed that they caught me on television at the Chow Hall uh, reading the news. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, another thing, too, was I know that you said that you took acting well, not acting, but theater class and stuff like that in high school. Mm -hmm. But did you ever have to take any acting lessons or anything like that? Uh, you mean in the Marine Corps? Well, not, maybe in the Marine Corps, but also in college as well. Maybe that's what I'm wondering. Oh, okay. Well, I did, uh, I did theater classes all throughout high school, uh, all four years of high school. Um, I didn't do any acting in the military. Um, I right. wish they had acting, but... <laughs> well, um, 
Um, but we did do uh, broadcast training, and so I got some on-camera uh, practice reading a teleprompter. And then when I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I had uh, the ability to go to film school, and I earned my Bachelor of Science in Radio, Television, Film. And then a few years after getting my undergraduate degree, I actually decided to go to acting school and do a two-year conservatory. So. I was able to use my uh, my GI Bill once again to uh, attend that for free. So I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and it was a great school, uh, highly recommended for anyone who's interested in an acting or theater, um, lovely education and uh, just lovely, lovely teachers. All right. That, that's pretty neat though. I mean, that you were able to graduate and everything and they wanted to pursue it even more and deeper because some people are like well you know i don't know if i want to go on ahead and go back to school again especially after completing a couple of semesters here and then then you decide <laughs> well you know what i want to go all in i'm going to go on ahead and go in for another year <laughs> yeah well so i graduated uh with my undergraduate my undergraduate degree in 2014 and that's the year i moved out here to los angeles and, you know, I was able to intern and then I got, you know, my first job straight out of college uh, working for an unscripted uh, television production company. And I was there for a little while. And then I was given the opportunity to work as an assistant at Creative Artists Agency, which is one of the largest, if not the largest agency in the business. Uh, so I learned a lot about producing and filmmaking there. I learned a lot about the entertainment industry in general. Um, and then I was able to go on and work for an independent film production company. And I learned a lot, you know, working for the producer there. And it was while I was working there that, you know, the acting bug caught up with me once again. It's, it was kind of laying dormant for over a decade. And, you know, it's just, it's just an itch I had to scratch. And so I had two years left on my GI Bill luckily. And that was, you know, the, the length of time that it took to complete the conservatory. So I'm very fortunate that I was able to get my education for free, no student loans. Um, so that was a great benefit of, of being in the military. Although that's not the reason why I joined, it was a great benefit. Right, exactly. I can actually understand that. And yeah. um, also too, you know, I know that you did a couple of things where you acted I don't, it looks like Grey's Anatomy, but it's not. It's where you're in a hospital setting. <laughs> yeah, so that, so that is uh, my demo reel, which I produce. I, I had uh, done at a demo reel company uh, because it's it's so hard to get good uh, footage for a demo reel because you, uh, you know, sometimes you'll shoot something and then you might wait a year or two or more for the footage um, from the filmmakers. So I just said, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to a company and have a reel made um, just to show what I can do. Um, because it would be great to be on a show like Grey's Anatomy. It would be great to be on a show like uh, CSI um, or Law and Order. So I, I, I had those scenes uh, created and produced and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was at Relentless Filmworks. So if any actor uh, needs a good demo reel, check out Relentless Filmworks. All right. And you know what? I just want to say this. I think your acting is phenomenal. Mm. Just with that demo reels and everything that you've done, it actually glued me in to your acting and everything. And it's just spot on. I can actually relate to the character that you're actually playing. I can actually gravitate towards 
maybe the plot line and everything else too that might be going on within that reel. But, you know, I just want to say I was able to gravitate towards your acting ability and you did a fantastic oh. job. Thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. You know, it. I'm, I'm still learning new things every day. I'm still honing uh, the art of, of acting and, and uh, you know, it's, I, I love learning and I have some really great mentors, um, you know, people who I met when I moved out here to Los Angeles six years ago. And a lot of them are veterans who are also actors. And uh, one of the main uh, groups that I'd love to give a shout out to is uh, VME, Veterans in Media and Entertainment. It's a group that I became involved with when I first moved out here. It's a group of veterans who work in entertainment, both above the line and below the line. So you have actors, producers, directors, writers, you know, you name it, you know, they have it. And so I met really talented people, not only, you know, acting, but also producing. And so I learned a lot from those people. So and I'm still learning. So I just wanted to say thank you to anyone who has supported me on my journey thus far. Awesome. Um, so another thing too, that I wanted to know about was, I know I talked a little bit about, you know, acting classes, stuff like that, but what about dialect coaches and stuff like that? Um, did you actually have to go to a dialect coach to actually learn how to actually have a different accent or anything like that? (laughs) Yeah, they actually teach that in my acting school at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And it's a really cool class. It's very challenging Uh, when you're doing it. So over the course of one semester, you learn how to do uh, British Cockney. You learn how to do, uh, you know, standard American, Irish, uh, New York accents. Um, and while I was, you know, learning uh, those accents, I actually that I was introduced to Amy Walker, who who wrote Into Light that I spoke about earlier. She is essentially an accent master. She can do any accent you can think of. Um, and I actually did some training with her as well because she has her own dialect coaching company called 21 Accents. And uh, if you Google her name, Amy Walker, you'll see this viral video where she does 21 accents all in one video. It's amazing. Um, so I learned a lot from, from from her and just watching her. She's done so many videos. And uh, in, in Into Light, she gets to use the transatlantic accent, which was really popular back in the early 20th century. So uh, it's been uh, just wonderful watching her work and also practicing uh, myself, although I don't do it as much. <laughs> uh, I would like to at some point. So we'll see what happens. All right. That sounds pretty cool, though. I mean, I've actually tried to do it different accents and stuff like that. I just can't. You should, you know what? You should go on ahead after we're done with this. You should listen to our, to the crawl episode where I actually tried to, okay. where I actually tried to do an Australian accent. It was bad. Me and oh, Parker. it's so hard to do. It's so hard. Like, I can't. I can't even do it. Um, Amy Walker can. She can do it, and she can also distinguish between Australia and New Zealand. It's a very you know subtle difference, but she knows the difference. Um, but you know the the challenging thing about uh, when I was learning accents in, in school is that each week we had to learn a new accent and we had to learn a new monologue in that accent and perform it in front of the class. So many times we would be, uh, you know, the night before we had to perform this monologue, we'd be up, you know, late at night learning how to do an Irish monologue. <laughs> so we lost a lot of sleep, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, 
Another thing, too, that I wanted to know about was the auditions. Have you been through any auditions lately or anything like that? What's the uh, biggest thing that you fear when you're walking into the auditions? Yeah, well, I've been, yes, I've been doing auditions. It's been a lot slower, obviously, during the pandemic. But before the pandemic, uh, I was fortunate enough to have an audition for this really big studio film that I can't name. Um, And I had to learn a five and a half page monologue. And I had about two days to master it. And uh, so that was really challenging. Um, And it was really emotional in some parts. Uh, So that was a really great challenge. Um, I think the biggest, you know, one of the biggest challenges is just, just being, being myself, just walking into a room and, and knowing that I'm enough, even though I might not necessarily be what they're looking for. um, You know, any actor should just be themselves. uh, You know, when you walk in the room, because, you know, casting directors can smell your fear. And if they can smell it, then, you know, it's just kind of a turnoff. Um, so the more confident you are when you walk into the room, even if you don't necessarily book that role, if you book the room, they will bring you back for another role that might be perfect for you. And I can say that I did not get that role in the studio film, but I'm also just very excited for when that film comes out because it's going to be really cool. Awesome. <laughs> And you know what? That's actually something that one of the Sopranos actors actually talked about was the fact with he he played Bobby Bacala. And he said the biggest thing was there was a bunch of other Bobbies there before him. <laughs> and they're sharing him sharing the other Bobbies on and everything. And he and they said, Oh, you did such a great job. You killed it and everything else. And he's like, There's no way in hell that I'm even gonna even get this part. Then next thing you know it. <laughs> He winds up getting the part, not even maybe uh, the next day. So, wow. He goes, and I, he said, he said, he said, it, he said this. He said he felt like he just sucked and he just blew at this role and he just blew it. <laughs> and he winded up getting the role. So I'm actually happy that he actually got the role for that for the Sopranos because I, I'm yes. Because here's the thing: I actually listened to the Sopranos podcasting that they actually have between the actor that played Bobby and the actor that played Christopher Maltesanti and they actually go in through a little behind the scenes stuff that happens Mm -hmm. so I'm like okay I'm gonna actually incorporate that with some of the with the interview and everything because I was actually Mm -hmm. curious about uh stuff that you were afraid of going into an interview and stuff I'm not into an interview but into trying to get a certain role because I wanted mm-hmm. to, I wanted to get your perspective on it because it's not easy like everybody else thinks that it is or anything like that they think oh automatically you'll get the role and that's not yeah yeah and the interesting thing is there are a million reasons why you could be uh, rejected from a role you could think you are perfect but um you could be too tall too short too brunette too blonde too whatever they, you just might not be what they're looking for. And so every time I walk away from an audition, I just, I let it go because if I'm right for it, I'm right for it and I'll find out. And I, I try not to think about it afterward because then, you know, it'll get into my head and I'll start to doubt my self-worth and, you know, I know I'm good enough. So, uh, you know, I just got to let it go. And I think everyone, if they just, you know, hold on to that mindset of just be you, uh, you know, do your best, you know, don't be afraid to, to be different. 
and, you know, bring your truth and your, your choices to a role and then just let it go. Right. You know, cause there have been roles where I was just sure that I did not get it. And, you know, then I find out maybe two weeks later that I booked it. Um, so you never know what they're looking for. Exactly. And I like the fact, too, that you go into it with an open mind like that, because I know some people will just eat up their anxiety to the point where it's like, okay, did I do this wrong? Did I do that wrong? What's wrong with me? Why aren't they contacting me? I'm glad that you have Mm -hmm. a handle on it, because I know certain actors and actresses, even to this day, they don't have a handle of perspective like you have your perspective of, okay, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. There's always going to be another audition somewhere later on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important that I mean performers are are rejected j- daily. I mean, you you really have to develop thick skin in this business because right. you're going to be rejected for so many reasons. And you know, th- one thing that someone once told me is that you know you are the only you. So you know, there may be other brunettes out there with green eyes, but I am the only Jennifer Brofer literally in the world. And that's something that I pride myself in and I carry with me that I am unique in my own unique way. And eventually, you know, the right uh, role will come my way. Right. Most definitely. And I also have a question too, though. Have you done any acting on a TV show or in a movie as an extra? I I have. Yes. Um, A couple of years ago when I had just graduated from acting school and I was doing the freelance life and I still am, um, but I did, I signed up for essential casting and uh, I immediately got to work, you know, as a, a background actor on various shows. Um, I, I got to work on Grey's Anatomy as, as, extra, <laughs> as an funny. extra. I got to work on a lot of shows uh, as an extra and I learned a lot, um, you know, <laughs> just about uh, set etiquette and, you know, just the do's and don'ts, like don't go up to, you know, uh, uh, the talent and then strike up conversation unless they, unless they initiate said conversation, uh, be professional at all times and, you know, just know your marks and do what you're told. So things like that, I learned a lot and, and it was, it was decent money. Um, I don't really do it anymore, uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm focused on, you know, having lines. Right. <laughs> I'd love to have a speaking role. Uh, But, you know, it was a great learning uh, tool. And I actually did it because I read this book by Jenna Fisher, who played Pam on The Office. She wrote a book and she talks about how she did background work when she was first starting out and how, you know, she learned a lot as she got some money and, and, you know, then she became Pam from The Office. So, you know, everyone starts somewhere. And uh, if you're looking, you know, just for some easy money, you know, it is easy uh, bring a book to read on set because it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Um, but you know, it's a great, uh, way to make some money and learn about the business. Exactly. Because I remember a guy named Josh McCuga and everything. He's actually on eating history and, mm. you know, and he was also on the Schmoes no show for a while as well, which is a YouTube show at one time. But he said he remembered just waiting upon hours upon hours for our aunt go on go on and he said by the time Anne came she was just unbearable to deal with <laughs> to the point oh no where, yeah he's like he goes I never want to work for, with her again in my whole entire oh. life oh no yeah <laughs> that sucks <laughs> so, it does it really does 
But just the way he actually expressed it was actually funny because he goes, I will not work for her ever again. But, you know, oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> I've been pretty fortunate thus far that I don't really have any diva stories uh, to share. Uh, I've been pretty, yeah, pretty fortunate in that area. Everyone I've worked with has been, you know, totally professional. Um, I haven't really had any conversations with any talent because I was background and I know my place, um, at least at that time. So, uh, yeah, I wish I had a cool, wish I had a cool story. Although I will say, um, I, I got to be backstage uh, with uh, Anne Hathaway at the Oscars once. Um, I was doing trophy presenting at oh. the 2013 Oscars <laughs> and, um, and, uh, yeah, she was back there and, uh, uh, cause she had just, uh, accepted an award. Uh, and then that night I remember when we were going to the governor's ball, I wasn't with her. She was walking ahead of me and she didn't, she didn't have her credentials, but she was holding her Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> So she luckily she got in um <laughs> to the governor's ball. But uh yeah, so I mean I never I never had a, a deep experience with her, but you know, it's funny to hear. But I guess we all have our moments, you know. Right. We all we always have our bad good days and bad days, you know. Yeah. Celebrities are just like normal people, you know. Everybody has a bad day at work or a bad day at the office, you know. I don't hold that yes. against anybody. <laughs> Yes, yes. Everyone has their good and bad days. I try to have more good days than bad days. And I think so far I've been pretty successful, more or less, <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, I was just wondering, too, like, how long does it usually take you to write a movie or come up with an idea for a movie? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I... Back in 2012, um, shortly after I got out of the Marine Corps, I actually did a uh, this writing challenge, a screenwriting challenge, where the challenge was to write a hundred-page screenplay in 30 days. And so I spent, you know, day and night working on that screenplay, and I actually finished it. Um, I decided to write a screenplay, you know, loosely based on my deployment to Afghanistan. And uh, I took a little creative license here and there, but I, I finished the screenplay in 30 days. Granted, it never saw the light of day because <laughs> I never did any rewrites and I never got it produced. Um, it was more of a therapeutic outlet for me. Um, but it really depends. I've had projects where I'm totally stumped and it takes, you know, years to, to get 13 pages. Um, and I've had uh, instances where, you know, I wrote a web series in one day. So uh, it just depends on my mood, really. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm in a little bit of a writer slump right now. I'm actually writing a screenplay as well. Hmm. Uh, it's about a, it's a psychological thriller. It's about, cool. it's about a psychiatrist that has split personality disorder who winds up using reverse psychology to kill his patients. Ooh, creepy. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm actually trying to figure out where, how I'm going to actually do the personalities, where I'm going to place certain things. But as for the opening scene and everything, I've got the opening scene done. It's just okay. putting the characters where they need to be and how long do I want to keep this certain character alive before he, he starts messing with them. Uh, have, you, have you done an outline? Uh, to be honest with you, I just go straight for it. 
like mm. I don't do no outline or any, or drafts or anything like that. I just go straight for it, and then okay. as I go, I'll go from the beginning to where I'm at. I'm like, okay, this could be improved here. Then I'll start mm. changing stuff. Like, okay. I'll, like my process is, I'll write at least thirteen pages, and then I'll look at the thirteen pages that I have, and then go through it that way. Mm-hmm. And then once I feel like it's actually right, I'll go on ahead and write the rest. That's just my process. Ah, do you do you ascribe to the save the cat method of screenwriting? I thought about that and everything. I never thought I never thought about actually putting something in. It's a it's a decent book. I re- I mean that's what I read when I first got into writing. I mean many moons ago, and there is of course many books on the topic, but that one I think is easily palatable and. You know, it's just easy to understand. Um, it just breaks down the screenplay beat by beat. Okay. So if, if you find yourself stumped, any writer, I would recommend reading Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. Okay, thank you for the recommendation. I'll definitely give that a shot. Of course. So this is another thing I wanted to know. I saw some of your work in the bio on your webpage, and I have to say, my favorite scene in the video was the scene where you're talking to your husband about doing one last tour. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, that actually had to bring back some mem- memories, you know, where you're telling a family <laughs> member, I'm just going to do one more tour, then I'm done. And I think there was some type of emotional thing that happens within you where it actually draws mm-hmm. up some type of memory to where you actually have to cry and stuff like that to where you actually feel that emotion built up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that scene was interesting because uh, when I did the consultation with Relentless Filmworks, they are the ones who wrote the scene based on our consultation. And I said, you know, I want to do a military scene, but I also want to show that vulnerability. And so they wrote just the perfect scene. And it it does actually kind of remind me a little bit of, of, you know, my life a little bit, because, you know, when I deployed at the time, I was a newlywed. I was married. I was married at one point and uh, it didn't work out, but I do remember that when I deployed, I was a newlywed and it was very difficult leaving my new husband. And, you know, it was very uh, challenging, you know, emotionally just being separated from your loved ones and, and then, you know, going on uh, R&R leave, uh, rest and recuperation, you know, in the middle of deployment, you have two weeks where you can go back home or travel wherever you want to go for two weeks. So, of course, you know, I went and visited my husband at the time. And, you know, I remember when I had to go back to Afghanistan, just being at the airport, it was just so emotional. You know, I just I did not want to get on the airplane. I just wanted to part of me just wanted to, you know, go, you know, AWOL, as they call it. Right. Um, But I didn't. I got back on the plane and uh, it was very difficult. So I think, you know, that scene is. It's important because, you know, and my scene partner in that scene actually is my good friend, Derek Severson, who I went to acting school with. He is an Air Force veteran. And yeah, so he's very talented. But um, we we did many scenes in acting school where we played, you know, husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend. So I just knew that I could I could rely on him to to play that role, you know, in the right way. And also, I just love working with veterans. That's good, though, that you actually have an actor that you actually feel that comfortable with to where you know that he's going to be able to bounce off of you and read you and know that he's going to get the performance that you need from him. So it can actually help balance you out as well as an actress. Yeah. And he, and he actually uh, brought me in for a scene that he did at when he went on to a follow on school, uh, 
and it was something similar, you know, playing like a, a vulnerable scene. And it's just great when you have a, you know, a co-star, an acting partner who just, you know, you, you have such great like on stage chemistry or on screen chemistry with, and you can just, you can trust that actor. And also, like I said, the fact that he is, you know, a veteran, like he, I, I like, I know I can rely on him. Um, he's such a professional. So if you're looking for an awesome actor, uh, Derek Severson, you know, check him out. He's fantastic. Um, I just love giving plugs to all of my talented <laughs> friends. Hey, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes, but you know another thing too. Like people don't realize, you actually have to have a lot of patience whenever you're dating someone in the military, and also too when you're married. It's not. It's about trying to have balance between the two worlds because you know it's like the civilian life is here, but the military life is in the country that you're actually enlisted at. So you actually have to have a way. To, to where, you know, one another actually has to find some type of balance to where you can actually be patient with the other person. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, you know, there are so few women in the Marine Corps to begin with. Um, you know, usually it's, you know, the, the wife or the girlfriend staying behind while the husband or the boyfriend deploys. But in this, in this case, it was the opposite. Um, and so he... He and I were long distance for the majority of the marriage, um, you know, which is one of the reasons why it didn't work out. But when we were deployed, you know, he was living in South Carolina and I deployed from Camp Pendleton. So for two out of the three years, we were basically long distance. And that's tough on any relationship, no right. matter how good, no matter how good of an emailer you are. You know, um, it's just, it's just, it can't replace that, you know, it, that in-person connection you can have with someone. So it, you got to have a lot of, you have a lot of patience um, for, you know, if your partner is in the military, it takes a lot of patience because you never know when a deployment will come up or, or a field exercise will come up and you'll just have to kind of grin and bear it. Exactly. And I just want to say this, you're just, to me, I just see you as one tough woman. <laughs> and I just want to say, I commend you as a woman in the military and actually, you know, giving us protection while we're sleeping and just, I just have huge respect for you. On well, thank ends. you. You're very thank welcome. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It was absolutely my honor to serve. And, and you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would. Um, I'm so thankful that I got those free tickets to go to Six Flags Over Texas back in 2001 after high school because uh, otherwise my life would be completely different. And I honestly can't imagine my life being any different than it is now. That's great. I'm glad that you have no regrets on how everything turned out. I'm glad that, you know, you're living in the present. You're moving forward, which is actually a great thing. I think it's just fantastic. And thank you. You're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. And I'm just curious about something too. Like, how did you actually know my friend Charles? So I was just wondering, how did that? How did you and Charles actually meet? Uh, wait, which Charles? Charles Thurston. Uh oh. So Charles reached out to me on my uh, on my professional page. Um, we're we're somehow connected on on Facebook. Um, I don't know that I that I know know oh, okay. him. Okay. Um, on a on a deep level, but he did okay. reach out on okay. your behalf, and okay. and he 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 talked up your your podcast, okay. and it sounded really cool. Okay, 
So yeah. So, <laughs> that's awesome though. I mean, I do appreciate you coming out here. Like I said earlier and everything. It just is it's just great to actually talk about film, talk about everything. But you know, another thing that I was wondering about, what kind of genre do you like to actually act in? Oh yes, my favorite genre. I tend to lean toward the dramas. Uh, I love a good drama. Uh, I will say that is probably what I do the most of. And also at the same time, I do uh, aspire to improve in my comedic acting. It is is not easy being a comedic actor. Um, my boyfriend is a wonderful comedic actor. He he does stand up comedy, and he's just a natural when it comes to. Uh, on-camera comedy, but uh, I have a lot to learn in that regard. So um, I tend to go for the sad roles uh, require like tears or something, you know, the ones where like someone's dying of cancer or something. Um, I don't know why. I just, I just love a good cry. Hey, there's nothing wrong with crying every once in a while. And you know what? Comedies is probably, is probably the most hardest genre that you can actually act in because of the fact it's the most objective because everybody's humor is totally different than somebody else's you know oh yeah and i mean i I will say uh i do i do get to do some kind of improv training i've done some improv training but not nearly enough and it it can only help me as an actor and uh yeah so that's something that is on my to-do list for the future speaking of improv i actually did some improv in theater Oh, and and what and get this? My teacher didn't even teach us improv, but I did improv. But <laughs> basically, I talked about this before, but I love talking about this. But you know, I actually acted like I was actually from Boston, which I'm actually originally from Boston. But oh. so you know, the thing that I remember doing was it was a monologue for a boxer, and his dad's training him, and of course. Whenever you he first gets into the rink, I didn't have a rink. I didn't have anything. <laughs> I had boxing gloves that I used to box in, and that was it. And so I, and then of course I had the Foo Fighters song "Hero" that I had my friend, <laughs> my friend Bud was going to play at the end of the monologue. I had that going. <laughs> so I had two things going for me. But she, the, she was actually saying that you're going to be graded on decorating the stage. So what I did was I acted like I was climbing into the uh, boxing ring. Through the <laughs> and she she was blown away with that. Then all of a sudden, whenever I'm acting, then all of a sudden I go into the flashbacks, and then I go back into present day. And then <laughs> next thing you know, it I start yelling, I start start screaming as I start pretending I'm punching some invisible force that I'm not even hitting. But <laughs> but she was just blown away because of the fact nobody wowed her at all. I was like bored to tears through some of the monologues that I've actually had to let her sit. The people were sitting, uh, were actually letting her sit through. But wow! So all of a sudden she sees mine, and her face lit up. And at the at the end, and not only that, but I'm also a quiet kid at that time. So she's <laughs> like, "Where did that come from? Where did that anger come from?" It's always the quiet kids that come out. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Well, you know," I was like. It's always going to be the quiet kids, you know, Miss Maggie. She goes, that, oh, yeah. She goes, that's true. That's where the talent is. 
but she goes it's true i was so shy in high school i couldn't even talk to my crush at the time who was this trumpet player in the band you know i just carried around this crush for two years and finally he graduated and i never saw him again i'm like well that goes that (laughs) so uh, you know i kind of came out of my shell uh by a joining the marine corps and b you know getting into acting and on on camera performance that's fantastic though i mean i'm glad that you're able to you know Fix your fear on that level. So the way you can actually. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I also have a fear of like, I have like social anxiety at some t- on some level because I'm an introvert. But, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm actually getting better because of the podcast and stuff like that. So therefore, I'm able to face my fear that way. And it's actually good. It, it's actually helping, but it's at the point now where I'm like, I sit, I talk a little too much. <laughs> to the point <laughs> and I was like you know what you just need to be quiet I said that was the problem <laughs> from the beginning <laughs> but you know yes yes you're out of your shell firmly right exactly <laughs> so that's all. Awesome. Uh, thank you I do appreciate that and what inspires you and motivates you to do what you do as far as acting goes Oh my gosh. I mean, I've, I was inspired at an early age because I watched Lucille Ball in I Love Lucy (laughs) and I just loved how fearless and silly she was. And it's, it's funny because I haven't really done that much comedic acting yet. (laughs) Um, But I just, I've watched every single episode of I Love Lucy 10 or 20 times over and you know i could i could watch it 20 times over again and never get tired of it but she is inspiring not only because she is such you know a, a tour de force on camera but she also is one of the reasons why we have star trek i mean if it wasn't for lucio ball and you know how she was then the uh she was the president or ceo of desilu studios Gene Roddenberry wouldn't have been able to get Star Trek off the ground. Uh, so that's an interesting factoid. I don't know if everyone knows, but she is, you know, one of the reasons we have Star Trek. And uh, just as a woman and as a filmmaker and as a CEO, she's so inspiring to me because, you know, I am now uh, I am now the CEO of my own production company. And, you know, I want to I want to make great strides the way that she did during her time. That's great. That, that's really great. Congratulations on being the CEO of your company. You're very Thank welcome. Thank you. I didn't know that Lucia Ball was the main reason why we had Star Trek. So that's new to me. So Yeah, Google it. So it's it, when you when you look it up, you'll see that uh, Gene Roddenberry had a pilot for Star mm-hmm. Trek, right? And then he was shopping it all around. He no one wanted to pick it up. And then he met Lucille Ball. And she, at the time, was divorced from Desi Arnaz. So she was a divorced woman running her own studio, Desilu Studios. And uh, they decided to do a second pilot for Star Trek. So what we now know as the pilot is actually the second pilot. So uh, it's the one that we all know and love today. And uh, it obviously became, you know, a cultural phenomenon and uh, so she was kind of uh, the first Trekkie, if you right. think about that's, it. Right, that's actually true. More of the yeah. scenes Trekkie, but still, a Star, a Star Trek <laughs> Trekkie at, at its best, though. Yeah. So my other question is this. Explain what exactly a producer is, because I know some people don't really understand what a producer actually does, because sometimes mm-hmm. they're on the set, sometimes they're not. Sometimes, Like, I use the example of, 
Steven Spielberg will have his name plastered on there and he won't even be on the set at all. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, a producer basically does everything from a script to screen. So they are the ones who find good material to make a movie out of. They, it could be a book. It could be an original idea. And then it could be it could be a it could be a news a newspaper article that you think is really cool and make a good movie, uh, and then it's finding a, a writer, it's finding the director, it's putting all of the elements together to get the film made. It's uh, you could be on set, you could totally forego being on set. Uh, I I love being on set personally, and then of course once the film is is shot and edited, then the producer sees the film through to distribution. So, you know, everything from script to screen and in between is the producer's okay. job. And which one do you like doing more, acting or producing? Oh, that's a great question. I love both. I do have a lot more experience producing professionally. Um, I've only been doing professional acting for about two years. And so I still get to hone that craft. Um, I do love them both. Um, as far as when I was an adult, uh, producing was my first love. And uh, so, but acting is a very, very close second. Okay. Very close second. I can see why. I mean, I can definitely see your energy, your passion with your acting abilities and everything, especially whenever I saw it on your demos and stuff. So I, it actually shines through you. Thank you. So my other thing was, what was one of the hardest things that you had to do when you had to audition for a certain role? Uh, oh, man. Um, well, aside from memorizing that five and a half page monologue for that uh, studio feature that I didn't book, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like I said, the hardest thing is just is just um, being confident when I walk in because there are I'm, I'm slowly getting better at just, you know, walking in and, and being myself. But, you know, early on, you know, the nerves, they, they can catch mm -hmm. up to you and, you know, it can feel like, you know, you're, you're being sabotaged by your, by your nerves. But yeah, the hardest thing is just, just uh, bringing my choices into the room and delivering those choices with confidence. Okay. And my last question I actually have is what's your top five favorite movies? Oh, that's easy. I love that. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is The Princess Bride. Oh. You can't beat it. No. You can't beat it. It's for everybody. It's for men and women, children of all ages. <laughs> um, my second favorite is probably Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That movie Mind. is so uh, underrated. That it's beautiful. It, it makes you feel feelings. It's just perfect. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a gore. It's an it's a lovely role for Jim Carrey and of course Kate Winslow as well. But it's it's just a nice, uh, you know, dramatic uh, turn for him that I think he just knocked it out of the park. Um, another uh, favorite is Forrest mm -hmm. Gump. It's uh, fantastic. I love that, and uh, I love Inception. Christopher Nolan. Oh, Inception is one of my uh, favorites by Christopher Nolan. Yep. I love any movie really that has to do with time travel or time manipulation of any kind. I just love those movies. Um, so big fan of Christopher Nolan. And then last but not least, it, I love Gattaca. Oh, nice. 
it's a little known film. I mean, you may have seen it, you may have not, but uh, it's it's fantastic. And it's just got a great message that you can do whatever you set your mind to. Most definitely. So that's uh, the thing, though. I, I really you want to know something funny. I actually saw Princess Bride for the very first time a couple of months. Really? The first time? Yeah. What did you I think? loved it. I really did. It, I mean, it, like you said, there's something for everybody in that with that film. You know? Yeah. And, to be honest with you, I even asked my mom, I said, how did you jeopardize me from seeing this movie at a young age? They withheld you. They deprived yes. you in your childhood of this exactly. movie. I mean, it's got sword fights. It's got, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, magic and miracles and true love. I mean, what's not exactly. to love? I love this movie from <laughs> beginning to end. You know, I, I really do. I mean, this movie is just fantastic. I love your top five list, though. Your top, your thank you're very you. So I think that's going to be it for the interview. And I just want to say thanks again, Jennifer, for being on, on here and everything, and doing your one-on-one interview with me. And also, too, where can everybody reach you at? Oh well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And um, people can follow me on Instagram at Jennifer Brofer, and that's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-B-R-O-F-E-R. I'm also on uh, Facebook, Jennifer Brofer Acting, and uh, my website is jenniferbrofer.net. Okay. And, of course, everybody can reach me at Movie Lovers, TV Lovers Unite, on Facebook, Instagram, even on Twitter, and, of course, you can reach me at John Dick Gregorio 85 on Twitter or John Dick Gregorio on facebook as well and matter of fact i just signed up for buy me a coffee so guess what buymeacoffee.com is actually one of those sites that if you want to donate towards the show to actually make my make the sound a whole lot better make me have better equipment and stuff like that go ahead feel free to buy me a coffee and donate today i do appreciate that tomorrow night i'm going to have frenchie on and the frenchie and i are going to be doing our fantasy drafts for our uh, and making our own movie So we're going to be doing that tomorrow night and always until next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.